This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Tokuingua. My name is Mikaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture, and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Arts Cast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. And I'm here today with Rachel Lambert, out in her fabulous studio in Okato, looking at all kinds of beautiful jewellery. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. Hello. So I've been admiring your jewellery for quite some time, and... Um, I just thought this would be a wonderful opportunity to hear you talk about how you got onto this journey. What is it that excites you about jewellery? Can you tell us a bit about yourself to begin with? Oh, um, so I started very young making things, um, having access to art materials from my dad's studio made it a lot easier, but there was always an interest and a need to make things as and a kid. for those who don't know who your dad is, he's Peter Lambert, yes, the artist. Yes, he is, yep. <laughs> um, so, kind of lots of people know, so I kind of assume that everyone knows yes. him, but yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, so I had access to his studio, and he gave me free reign, basically. And the first thing, really, was playing with clay. Um, and I used to make objects out of it for my doll's house. Um, as a kid, and then kind of got a, a feel for FIMO, FIMO, hmm. polymer clay, used to make jewellery out of that. And then I've always been a beachcomber, so I pick up lots of little things from the beach and then I used to turn them into jewellery then. Clay just, did not lead to pottery? No, it didn't. No. It led to, it's always just been little objects, like, yeah. wasn't jewellery then, um, the FIMO was jewellery. Yeah, um, I ha- do have an interest in pottery. I've tried the wheel and I've yeah, done lots of <laughs> courses on it, so it's another little hobby that I'd love to do. But yeah, this takes up lots of time. Mm. So how did you continue on? Did you go on a course? Um, like, yeah, I did. You are a jeweller, yeah, full time. Yeah. Uh, no, no, well, full time, but I do also have a part time job. Um, so when I was about, I was 20 and I went to Manukau Institute of Technology and did a pure techniques jewellery class for two years full time and that kind of cemented it for me really. I was just like, I love all these tools and I love making things and yeah, it's great. And I kind of, over the years I've also done weekend classes with the likes of Sally Lang and a few overseas as well. Do you do that to keep your mind fresh or to try new techniques or...? Yeah, always interested in new techniques. Yep. Um, there's so many different things to learn in jewellery and it's very broad. Yep. I love the fact that you actually talk about uh, the tools and the process that draws you in rather than, you know, focused on the, the jewellery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. The tools are the fun. Yeah, the yep. fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the tools. So tell me what we see here. Here you have a lovely woven mat with lots of jewellery that it looks like wood, but I understand it's antler. Yes, yep. So the slices of antler that I've hollowed out and made into chains, basically, alternating um, antler and silver together. They're very beautiful, but they're also very light. Yes, they are. Yeah, antler is incredibly strong and light. Mm. And you've uh, coloured the antler? Yes, with henna. Mm, With henna? Yeah, Mm. it's the only, I've found it the only kind of dye that was really permanent. Other dyes got wet and would run, but this one stays. And that is what makes it uh, appear like it's uh, a chain of wood and silver. Yeah, yeah. 
that wasn't intentional. It was just um, the, the best kind of natural dye as well. A lucky coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need those. Yeah, yeah, that's no, good. So when you started out, what kind of materials were you attracted to, or what are the kind of the training ground for a jeweler? So before I went and studied, I um, I played with a lot of power shower and mother of pearl. That's kind of the beginnings of it, and they were given to me by my uncle, who also used to make jewellery. So the things that have started me are things that have been gifted. So I've been given things and I've made things from that. So that's kind of progressed the jewellery in a way. Um, I got given antler, I got given bone, I got given greenstone. So I've kind of gone with the flow with that, Mm. really. Well, that's lovely. But the materiality is so different when you talk about wood and uh, metal and antler and uh, power shell and greenstone. So how do you go about determining what it will be? And how how do you learn to work all of these materials? Um, you just start playing with it. <laughs> yeah, it really just starts with playing around with things and seeing what works, what tools work with it. Some tools work better than others with different materials, and you just and then that kind of dictates what you can do to it, really. And what are the uh, mistakes you've learned the most from? Probably silversmithing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that takes a lot of patience. It does, it does. Yeah. I've just done a tiny bit, and I was very young at the time, but it was hard to also get it very even. and. Yeah, mm. and you're working with very tiny wee things, and that used that, that's taught me patience. It used to bring me a bit of frustration some days, yeah. <laughs> I've learnt a lot from that, yeah. Oh, we could all use a bit of patience. <laughs> well, we are going to take a music break, and uh, you have chosen Cat Power, Manhattan. Is there a specific reason why this song? Um, I, I like it, basically, obviously, and I, I like a lot of Cat Power's music as well. And this one, I like the piano in it. Oh, yeah. cool. We'll yeah. listen to it. It's the a very piano. simple piano. Okay, Cat Power, Manhattan. Thank you. 
to Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm your host, Michaela Nyman, and we are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center. And I'm in the studio of a jeweler today. I'm with Rachel Lambert in beautiful Okato and looking at all these gorgeous uh, chains and earrings and rings made of um, silver and antler and greenstone and yeah there's just so much to look at and we are talking about how you start out and what you do and so what did you do after you tried silver where do you go from silversmithing why wasn't that enough oh it's there i i still do it a lot yeah i mean it's all part of it but it's a way of connecting other materials with it as well so I think maybe I view it as the connection with other materials, yeah. And you have some interesting material there too. It's black with um, white that dots. That is Italian marble. Really? Right. Um, it looks like a black salami slice. Yeah, <laughs> it does, ring. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another piece given to me by my uncle. Mm. And so you incorporate a lot of given materials. Where do you go then when you have to buy materials what kind of materials is it that you need to buy in mostly it's the silver and gold and Mm. findings and things like that um can you reuse old spoons and cutlery that kind of um, silver it's really i don't go out looking for it but i feel like it's quite hard to find solid silver spoons and things anymore but i haven't but you could you i can melt down material here um silver and gold and reuse it a lot of that stuff there is reused as well yeah, it seems like a beautiful opportunity to recycle. Yeah, definitely. I don't see very much gold here. Uh, it's a tiny bit. It's more for commissions that I do gold. So tell me about commissions. What what happens when you get a commission? Is it someone who has seen a specific part or, or a piece of yours? Or do they want something um, for um, celebratory? Yeah, generally it's occasion. kind of someone who's seen something like a ring, for example, and it doesn't fit them, so I make one to fit. Um, other times it is a specific bespoke piece that they want and it has nothing to do with what I've made already you know they've come with an idea themselves and they they want it made yeah how much work do you have to put into it to check if it actually works out because I can imagine that uh, people who are not jewelers might come up with a great idea but it actually doesn't work in practice (laughs) yeah um luckily it hasn't been too bad for me in that respect (laughs) just making sure that the communications there you know exactly what that where they're coming from and making little drawings and describing things or looking up online to see things that they like and then you get a feel for what they're looking for and what kind of person they are as well mm. yeah. and auntie gave me and my sister and herself three equal rings that were made with um, precious stones inlaid and the gold used was from all her excess but it was very hard to actually get her design made because the uh, having the stones, they didn't want to hold the way she wanted them. And yeah. I remember that was a very frustrating thing. Yeah. So how do you deal with that, with your expertise from the technical point of view? Like, how do you come to an arrangement or compromise when the client comes and says, I want this made? And, and mm. you realize that maybe it's not that easy to realize? Yeah, just having to explain that, basically. Yeah, that their design may be a little ambitious or but generally speaking you can work a way around it so that it's a design that works plus they like it Mm. I did a lot of that in the UK um, at a place that I worked and yeah there was a lot of going back and forth sometimes this works that doesn't work yeah and do they bring their own materials um yes they do they do a lot of that they bring in sentimental pieces yep from their grandmother that yeah. they never wear and they turn it into something that they do. Yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it's quite a sentimental or, or emotional process really when you've got this precious jewellery and you have to destroy it basically and then hope for the best that the outcome is what they like, you know. <laughs> and I've had lots of customers come and pick up work and start crying because yeah. oh. it means so much to them. That That's it, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's really sweet. So tell me a bit about the UK. How long were you there for and what did you do? Where were you? Um, All up, I was there for six years. 
and I spent the majority of the time in Cornwall, um, right down the bottom in a little town called Porth Levin. It was lovely, yeah. You were working there with the jewellery as yeah, well? Yeah, 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 working in a, a jewellery shop, making stock and bespoke pieces, yeah. And so when did you come back to Taranaki? Um, 2019. Just before, the year before yeah, the big the pandemic. Before, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you set up your own jewellery business here and workshop. Yeah, I've always had a workshop at my parents' place. Yeah, because I have seen yeah. your jewellery way before yeah. 2019. Yeah, so I've been making for a long time. But mm-hmm. Just the overseas was a bit of a break and see something new and work somewhere else. And I came back and went into the workshop again. My tools were all there. I didn't get rid of them and just started again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how did that time away influence you, do you think? Has it changed your practice? Um, it's expanded it. it. I don't know if it's changed it so much, but it has expanded. In which ways? The things that I can make. Um, it taught me a lot of new techniques over there and just honing your craft, really. And what's the market like in the UK compared to here? Were you doing similar things in the UK that you do um, now? Not really, no. Um, working more traditionally than not using alternative materials, just using stone gems and gold and silver, things like that. So we can find some of your work in shops here in yep. New Plymouth. Yeah. I know they are at Kinna. Yeah, Kinna. And I also have some pieces at Lumen and the other places, the cool store in Nelson, Makoa. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. And are you also sending uh, pieces overseas to the UK and other places? No. Oh. No, I'm not. I don't <laughs> do that. Yeah. You don't think there's a market for that? or? What's the reason? Um, I haven't investigated it, really. I'm looking at your gorgeous suitcase here. With them. <laughs> Are they all bone? That is a mother of pearl. Mother of pearl. Yeah, you might need to send someone with a suitcase like that. Yeah, no, courier. Perfect, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the mother of pearl collection that you have here. They do look like bone, but they are shimmering a bit. So yeah, the um, it's like not the usual pawa shells here. It's um, actually the white. Yeah, it's come. It comes from Tahiti, uh, black lip, mother of pearl, or um, you get some gold ones from Australia, um, and they I mean they kind of have that sort of pearliness about them. It's where mm-hmm. you get pearls from. Mm. Um, but no, no. Uh, kind of turquoise uh, or pink no, no. that comes with a power shell. This yeah. is really... You've only got those kind of brown... Yeah. You do get a little bit of the power colour mm. in it, but it's really subtle. And so the black that is uh, on that particular yeah. one, which looks almost like you've burnt it, but that is actually the shell. It's the, it's the outside of the shell. So the majority of it is covered in the black, and then the more you grind into it from the outside it becomes white beautiful and it's white on the inside as well and what about the designs they look uh, very maritime kind of watery yes that was the idea because the circles they're, they're kind of based on the moon and the moon affects the water and that kind of idea very beautiful all right we are going to listen to another piece and you have chosen jj kale cheery yes and um are we in for a cheering up Oh, it's a very sweet song. It's a love song. And my father used to listen to JJ Kale a lot when I was growing up, so it kind of yeah, reminds me of him, I suppose. Someday I'll 
Welcome back to Sugarloaf and Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to Michaela Nyman and Rachel Lambert talking about jewellery today. And we are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center for this podcast. So we are just um, looking at some of the gorgeous jewellery Rachel has made. Rings and earrings and chains and links and uh, pendants. What is your favourite I have not seen bone until maybe a couple of years ago from you. From uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so is bone the latest? No, I done bits of bone jewellery a long time ago, like 2010. I had some mm. work and I cut them into cross sections and then cut out silver patterns and attached them to the cross That's section. That's one I yep. remember. But now you have some that are delicately shaped and turned and uh, with gorgeous holes in them and yeah that's bone filigree (laughs) that's the the antler as well so you take out the kind of the surface layer of the antler and then then i've cut out the holes from that if that makes sense Mm. and uh, you are only working in deer antlers you are not working in other kinds of bone um a little bit of beef bone and but mainly antler i just prefer it really why um so it's a soft well it's quite a soft material but it's really hard it's really light and because i've been making chains out of them it just lends itself to that the size of the antler um and yeah the shapes just like the odd shapes of them all and round they are very beautiful and they are surprisingly light yeah they Uh are yeah they look heavy and chunky and you lift them up and they weigh hardly anything. How do you attach uh, some of your um, metal? You have like small metal plates that are attached to various materials, to greenstone um, and yeah, to so, mother of um, pearl. And... It's a technique called riveting. Mm-hmm. So you take a, um, make, a, make holes and take a piece of silver wire and hammer it in. And I hope it doesn't break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had a few breaks before. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, sometimes you can hit it too hard. They're very gorgeous, yeah. and it's very neat work. Um, it's just a way of connecting things without having to solder, especially if you have things that burn. You don't want to put any flame near the burning things. No, <laughs> no. 
Hopefully not. So what's your favorite um, jewelry to make? I tend to make a lot of earrings, I think. But I myself don't really wear many earrings. But yeah, I like making them. Because they are small and... I don't know. I just think I've... I just tend to I tend to do that, gravitate towards them. The other thing I do like doing is this bespoke pieces for customers because it, it takes you down a path that, you know, you never quite know where you're going to go or it's someone else's idea. So um, it's nice to be able to do that for them. And um, Yeah, yeah I, I can imagine that it feels uh, meaningful to yeah, be able definitely. to... Yeah, definitely, yeah help someone, especially when, like you said, with a sentimental piece that is based on some heirloom or, you know, inherited exactly. yeah. Yeah, jewellery yeah. that doesn't fit and people yeah. want to wear somehow yeah, yeah and honour their ancestors. But uh, your earrings are very funky. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> They're actually not uh, quite what you would expect. It's like the, almost 60s vibes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, yes, they are. Yeah. They're very big. <laughs> How long does it take for you to um, make a piece? How long does it take for you to come up with a design? Do you look at the what you have, the raw material, or do you want to do something and try to fit the material into what you are envisaging? Yeah, sometimes when I don't know what I'm doing, I'll just pick up lots of little bits that I have lying around, like half-finished pieces or materials, and I'll sit there and I'll kind of play around and mm. put them together. I'm, I'm not... A drawer, so I tend to just pick up things and put them in places and see how it works. So that's kind of how it begins. Um, but the visual is important. Yeah, yeah, mm. the visuals, yeah. So is that um, aesthetically that you're after, or is it some sort of surprise? What What is it you're after when you are playing around with their things? How do you know when you found the right thing? It just feels right. Yeah. <laughs> that feeling, it's like, in other yeah, words. Yeah, it's like, oh, I like the look of that. Okay, we'll carry on with that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's following the gut instinct and intuition. Yeah. 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 yeah don't, don't dismiss your gut uh, instinct. So a pair of like the red earrings that mm-hmm. are made of antler. How long does it take for you to make them once you've known and played around? Yeah, uh, a few, a couple of hours mm-hmm. maybe. Um, sometimes I don't have a clear idea of what they're going to turn into and so sometimes they can take a bit longer or I might make a mistake and then that will detour me to another Mm. result. I tend to view mistakes as a good thing um, because often they turn out better than you thought they were going to. Yeah, Yeah. no, the lucky mistakes, discard those. (laughs) I I, I put them away if I feel frustrated then I pick them up later and start again. Yeah. Do you have someone who is your um, kind of your trial and error person? Someone who you go to and ask, what do you think about these? Um, I do. Yeah, a friend. Yeah, I take things over to her when I'm feeling unsure about what I'm doing, and I'm like, what am I doing? I oh, know she's like, oh, you could do that, or yeah, that's really good. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah you, know, you need those. Yeah, uh, friends. yeah. Sometimes you can get a bit lost in. Yeah, their own process and having someone else's eyes. And especially when you've trialed so many times that you, you don't know if you're there yet mm. because they are just so close yep. to each other and, and you're not quite sure how it has yeah, exactly, evolved. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, she's really helpful like that because she doesn't mince her words. You know, oh, like good. She's really polite, <laughs> but she'll be like... Really yeah. polite but ruthless. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, we need polite but ruthless people in our world. All right, we are going to take a short break and uh, listen to Reginald Omas Mahmoud in Search of Balance. This is someone I haven't heard before, so tell me. Um, yeah, well, he, I, I've only just discovered him basically through Spotify. So. And we all need to search for some balance, eh? Yes, so, yeah. we do. Let's listen. <laughs> Mmm. 
Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. And we are grateful for the sponsorship by Gobet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center. And I'm in beautiful Okata today, very windy, in Rachel Lambert's studio, looking at jewelry, all kinds of uh, jewelry actually. We have antler and silver and greenstone, and uh, there are rings and earrings and chains and pendants galore. So what's the most ambitious project you've taken on? Hmm. Probably doing an exhibition solo <laughs> one year. Yeah, when was that? Um, 2019. So um, you had just arrived from the UK and yes. basically held an exhibition within months of yes. arriving. Yes. Had you prepared uh, the jewellery in the UK or did you start once you arrived here? I started once I arrived here. So like probably three months I had to prepare. And where was the exhibition? That was at Canary in Plymouth. Tell us about that exhibition. What uh, was the name of it or what did you want to convey with it? Um, It was called Thought Forms and basically it was just the idea of the creative process and how a thought can create a form basically. and so the process, like I was saying earlier, about how I just sat down and, because I had no idea what I was going to do, I sat down and just played around and put things together in like a puzzle. And that's how it kind of went from there, like an intuitive process again. And was there anything in particular that um, inspired you? Where do you find your inspiration? Well, firstly, it was the um, antler that was given to me. Um, so that started, that gave me a material to work with and then just learning about that um, learning what it can do and what I can do with it just led on from there. That sounds like a very joyful, playful process. Yeah, I feel like that's the, the only way that I can make things. Yeah, to begin something different and something new is to mm. play around. Yeah. And yet it feels like... Uh making jewellery you have to repeat yourself because people come to expect that you are doing a certain kind of jewellery. Yeah. How do you handle that then? I'm the not repetition? very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think that's why I've worked with so many different materials in my time is because I need change and I need um, new things to play around with. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I can totally empathise with that. Yeah. So what came out of that exhibition? You haven't had any exhibitions since? No, I haven't. Did you enjoy the experience? I found it quite stressful, yeah. I can Um, imagine. Yeah, especially with a small amount of time and to fill a gallery space. Luckily, they had lots of really nice cabinets to put them in, so that kind of took up a lot. And I probably put a lot more pressure on myself than I needed to. Um, But um, overall, I really enjoyed the process. It was just a bit scary doing it by myself. You're not open for the arts trail this year? I've tried two years in a row and I keep missing the closing date. So it's just me being disorganised. 
and because it's quite early in the year, it's summertime, and I'm out enjoying the sun. Yeah, usually cut off in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where can people find your artwork? Well, I do have a a website. Um, I do Instagram and Facebook, and I have recently done a couple of open days in my workshop. So that's usually advertised through Instagram. And so what's your Instagram? Uh, Rachel Lambert Jewellery. Great. (laughs) And do you run workshops at all? I used to um, run them in the UK. I haven't done any here in New Zealand, but I do get asked a lot about that. Is there a particular reason you have not... uh... Um, I didn't have the space for it before, but now I do. And now it's just a matter of um, getting to get the extra equipment and making room for it, making desks for it and things like that. Mm. But I have done a few sort of one-on-ones in here as well. So if uh, anyone out there is listening to this and is interested in a one-on-one workshop, how can they contact you? Uh, Either through Instagram or my website. Yeah, the website's got my email and everything. Yep. Fantastic. What do you usually say to people who are just starting out? Do you, um, you know, how do you get a chance to try and see if you like it? before you maybe commit to two years of uh, jewellery training? Um, well, I guess do a workshop, mm. yeah, would be a good start. <laughs> yeah, have a little play. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely just that. Just talk to people who are in the industry and see what they say about it, yeah. There's plenty of jewellers around here to talk to. Yeah, there is plenty yeah. of jewellers. And I think that's also where people feel that they might want to make something they have a specific idea or maybe that's not enough? I think you need to taper your expectations and start simple, learning just the simple techniques and making a plain ring is the best way to learn. And then once you develop the skills, um, you go from there. Because I know I was like that when I was younger, when I was learning, I would want to skip a few steps and get to that step over there because that's where I wanted to be but I had to take the step-by-step approach and learn learn quietly yeah. and slowly. There's something to be said for the 10,000 hours of apprenticeship to master anything. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's where the repetition of things is a good part of it. You know, how I was saying earlier, I wasn't very good at it but you have to be able to do re- repeat jobs over and over again because it improves your skills. Absolutely, master the techniques and uh, I'm looking at this uh, chain link here with the antlers that are slightly different shapes which is the gorgeous part of it and then mm-hmm. they're very even, they almost look like uh, paper clips in shape, oblong silver that uh, connects each piece mm-hmm. of antler and uh, yeah, just thinking how long it would take to make those. Yeah, that, those ones take a while. <laughs> so how, lo- yeah. how many hours would you put into oh, a chain link um, like, like this? They take quite a long time because there's a lot of prep work involved mm-hmm. with the antler. You have to cut it, um, grind out the inside, clean it up, sand it so it's nice and smooth. And then you, I dye them two or three times depending on how dark I want them. And then making the chain links from there. So it can be anything up to a full day's work to two days depending. I mean I tend to do things in bulk lots. So I'll do a lot of antler all at once and have it there ready for when I want to make the necklaces. So this particular chain link I'm looking at has uh, 19 pieces of antler and 19 pieces of uh, silver. Very beautiful. And they're all different shapes, the antler pieces. Yeah, that's Mm. what I like about them too. Yeah, gorgeous. So what's next for you, do you think? What's the next material? Does it need someone (laughs) to come and gift you something odd? Yeah, well, I've just recently been taking a step back in time and going back to Mother of Pearl, which is what I first started working with. So I guess I've been looking back at things that I used to make and doing them again. So how do you take them into something that is new and exciting for you? And especially with um, certain materials that, um, yeah, they kind of, come in expected forms so often Mm -hmm. and so how do you take it into something new and exciting for you? 
Well, I guess it's just um, like where I find inspiration. So if I'm walking down the beach or I'm walking in the bush or I'm outside at night with the moon, you know, those kind of things start absorbing into you and you start thinking about oh, an yeah. idea will come up. Yeah. yeah. Mother of pearl moons, like oh, it's just the full moon basically. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then having the water associated with it. Um, yeah, went from there. Beautiful. Yeah. Most of these pieces are very tactile. You want to pick them up and hold them. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> pick them up and hold them and don't let them go. No, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I think um, it looks absolutely stunning. So I hope that you're having some sort of exhibition in the near future. Are you well, is that I'm on not, the card? I'm not planning on it. Or maybe it's um, Taranaki Arts Trail next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> next year, yeah. I will do um, open days coming into Christmas. Um, I plan to do that. But I haven't planned any exhibitions or anything, yeah. And for someone who has never worked in bone or, um, you know, is it possible to contact you and... Uh, have a workshop one-on-one or yeah sure mm. yeah yep absolutely these are absolutely gorgeous i say you know someone who doesn't have contacts with people who hunt or anything where do you get the antlers from where can you buy antlers if you want to you know gosh i don't know no you no, know, i don't know no, either no. <laughs> i know that there's a there's a deer farm up north somewhere i'm sure you'd be able to buy antler from that but um i haven't needed to everyone's just offered me so, yeah, I wouldn't know. But, I mean, to get beef bone is easy enough. You take, go to a butchery and get a dog bone and chop that up. But just not a very pleasant process to get it cleaned up. With antler, you don't have to do that. Oh, sounds like a great benefit. That's why I use it more. Yeah. All right, we are going to take a final music break here and listen to Big Teeth Change. Mm-hmm. Yes. How come you picked this one? Um... I really like it. My sister introduced me to that song and it's quite a a sad song, but it's beautiful at the same time. Well, we go for the wistful, the sad and beautiful here. Big Thief, change. Thank you. 
a stone, like a hill, like home. Still, what I find is you are always on my Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm Michaela Nyman and you, I'm your host. And I'm in Okato with uh, Rachel Lambert. And we are talking jewelry in all its forms. Rachel has some amazing stuff out here in her studio. And she has a website and an Instagram where you can get hold of her. But you can also see her jewelry at places like Lumen and Kina in New Plymouth. So, uh, What's next, Rachel? Have you <laughs> had a think about where you want to take your jewellery? Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, just keep on doing it. I don't think I will, will stop doing it. Um, and probably having more people come to me would be great. So. Because you've been doing this for how many years now? Um, I started... Yeah, so 22-odd years. Yeah, wow. so a long time. I mean, I've had a couple of breaks in between, but not not much. No. Yeah. And you're not looking at any kind of international exchanges or anything? Oh, I'm open to it. Yeah. I, I um, haven't gone out searching for it, but if anyone wants to offer it to me, then you're yeah, sure. <laughs> and by the sounds of it, if you have any interesting materials, Rachel is yeah, always yeah, up yeah, yeah. for it. Yeah challenge here yep. on turning it into some definitely. beautiful jewellery. Yeah, it definitely has dictated um, a lot being given things into what I do. So what's the most challenging material you have worked with? Um, uh, hard stones like mm. agates. Um, hard to carve. Um, nine karat gold can be really hard to work. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but mostly it's just learning about what limitations each material mm. has and what it can do yeah but i guess you can always uh, melt down me- metal but uh, stone if you make a mistake and you yeah break it, it it's done. you yeah yeah must be quite an expensive learning curve um yeah I, a lot of the stones that i've worked with are, are new zealand stones that I, I was a member of a rock and mineral club in dunedin so i got lots of stones from them they um yeah they had all sorts also, that's a good advice for anyone who's interested yeah, in yeah, stone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's yeah, yeah, a good point. Join the Rock and Mineral Club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one in New Plymouth too. Yeah. So, any anything else you'd like to tell people who are interested in maybe giving it a try, or who have been dreaming about making jewelry for a long time and haven't taken the step? 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many re resources out there. You know, library books, uh, YouTube is great. I still watch some YouTube clips on how to do certain things, especially uh, tying Funamu and stuff like that. I always forget how to do it and I have to rewatch it. So um, lots of resources, talk to people and just have a go and have a play. Like, mm. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just yeah, no, play, make mistakes and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. But still lovely to hear that after 22 years of making, you, you know, it's not beneath you to kind of look up how to do things on YouTube. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Short-term memory loss. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting me come and see your beautiful work. And good thank luck with whatever you are going to do after thank this. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand on air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.